Hello and welcome to another episode of Freelance Up North podcast. Um, I'm Ben Davis and my host Katie Carlisle. This is a collaboration between Zifferblatt and Freelance Folk talking about all things freelance up north and getting different freelancers into, into Zifferblatt to chat about how they've what experiences they've had, events they like, and the such. So, Katie is a freelance Squarespace web designer and a trainer, plus she's also the founder of Freelance Folk, the pop-up co-working sessions. Thank you, Ben. Hello, I am Katie indeed, and Ben is the head of marketing at Zifferblatt, which is a paper-minute sitting room, co-working and event space in Manchester, Media City, and Liverpool. So, we're gonna hear from our next guest, Helen Dibble from Incredible, and they are a copywriting agency based in Manchester with clients across the UK and Ireland. They're storytellers who help people to tell their business stories by writing incredible copy for websites, articles, videos, and more. So Helen, welcome. Hi. Do you want to tell us a little bit more about yourself and how you kind of got to the place where you're at now? Yeah, sure. Thanks for having me along, first all right. of all. It's a pleasure to be here. Um, so I'm Helen Dibble, and my company is Incredible. and it all started when somebody gave me the opportunity to write and as much as I loved writing I never thought it would be something I'd be paid to do and I'm sure as many new freelancers get that moment where they go my god I'm my boss <laughs> and I'm being paid to do what I love it very much came from that place and I was in New Zealand at the time um, when it all kicked off and then came back to Glasgow and then finally now I'm in Manchester so I'm, maybe I'm, I'm freelancing down south technically <laughs> I have come from Glasgow but um, originally from Cornwall and yeah I was freelance uh, went freelance in 2013 so yeah fifth year sixth year and now you actually kind of work with a team of freelancers to deliver the copywriting to clients and you do training as well, is that right? Yeah, that's right, absolutely. So uh, it's changed quite a lot in the last year, especially from me going to doing a lot of, the, from doing a lot of the delivery to doing a lot of the coordination and the new business and the sales management and the business management, uh, which is a massive mindset shift. Um, <laughs> but also, yeah, I get to do training now, which is another love of mine. So working with the Business Growth Hub and putting on more and more tr uh, private events, hopefully. So. Fantastic. Cool, okay, so let's kick off with our first question. Uh, what events are good for freelancers up north? Right, so I have a confession because I've been really busy recently and I haven't been out to many. But what I have tried to do is, and if, I suppose if anybody else is feeling really busy at the moment and how you can maximise that time, there's also that thing of being a freelancer and being in the community and maybe sales isn't your raison d'etre. You know, you don't really, really love doing that. Um, so I found that actually by going to something where I can skill up with people who were similar to me and maybe people I sell through. I sell an awful lot through agencies and other people who need copywriting as part of the service they deliver. So I went to UX in the city in Manchester. Yeah, it was brilliant. I was surrounded by UX people and things, people who do things that I never do. I was massively out of my comfort zone, but it was fantastic in terms of collaboration, hearing the other side of the story, seeing, getting a view, a window into a skill set that UX is something copywriters really, really need to know. Um, but I didn't have to directly sell myself, and connecting with the people who were delivering those sessions was fantastic. Mm. Cool. So I recommend that one. So that must be quite nice then actually taking the pressure off a little bit. So if, you, if you're somebody who isn't comfortable going and yes. doing a traditional networking event, which is something that we've heard from a lot of guests that have been on the show, if you're not comfortable doing that, rather than going something where you have to do a pitch and put business cards in people's faces, yeah. going to events where you can learn something yourself and then you get, get to know the other attendees. Absolutely. So the, the business growth hub events, the ones that, so I'm, I'm leading the session with Mike Pye, who's a, a digital marketing consultant, and you see people in the room accidentally do business together 
because there's no pressure to sell, but they can see this person's got a really interesting offering, it's going to help me, you can see people collaborate, but there's no pressure to, you know, stand up and do your 30 second pitch, yeah. which can get tedious yeah. and also very intimidating. And I found that with my webshop, webshop? Website workshop <laughs> training as well. But yeah, the people you people end up doing collaborations. Yeah. Not necessarily selling, but there's some kind of way of them working together. Mm -hmm. It's so nice to see that. So yes. that's good to hear that that happens with you. I think a lot well. of the events as well, you, a lot of the traditional networking events are getting a little bit tired now mm -hmm. as well. So you see a lot of people move towards an activity with mm -hmm. networking or some sort of and it can I be heard a of, I heard bit. of one where you it was networking with dogs called pet working I heard about which that I really wanted to go to. <laughs> yeah. <Stay. laughs> as soon as it's got like a pun in it, I'm sold, sold, sold. Well Fresh Walks has taken that yeah. I think really, really mm. well. And I'm sure that's been discussed here before. Yeah, it has yeah. been. <laughs> Fresh Walks is exactly that. It takes the pressure off and you build the real relationships, which is what you need. I went on my first one the other day, we actually hosted Fresh Walks in um, Media City, so we did them at cool. lunch afterwards, and it was great. I was really impressed with it. I mean, freezing, but it was, it was, it was really nice. Cool. It was really, really, really nice group of people. Very good. And you've mentioned the Business Growth Hub as mm -hmm. well, um, but one of the things that new freelancers and existing freelancers kind of want to know about is where can they get a bit more support, and what what are kind of some good networks or organisations to find out more about or be a part of. So are there any networks that you think are useful to join? There are. So in terms of support, I think support all comes from the community and you need like-minded individuals. And that freelance journey is fascinating because you will meet people who support you, you will grow and they will no longer be your tribe. And you need to almost continually evolve your tribe. Mm -hmm. So I, I really recommend getting a coach, actually. I think that's incredible support. And I've had one for about a year and a half and it's been amazing, it's been phenomenal. I also think the IPSE generally give great advice. They, yeah. they are good. Pro copywriters, um, if you are a copywriter, is another great, very supportive and very affordable network to join. And they are all for promotion and really supporting and, and give lots of best practice, particularly in terms of fee, which is a continual problem in the, in the industry. Um, when I was in Glasgow, Scottish Women in Business is a really lovely network and I've seen lots of people thrive in that. And in Manchester, there's a woman called Amanda Brown who does the Make Life Happen program. Now, this is very tribey. This is about finding women, okay, it's, it's female, um, but it is about finding women who are on your level, who are looking to grow and are exploring new things. And I think as a freelancer, you kind of, you're in it for the passion for making something happen. And we're make quite doers, aren't we're we? We're doers, yeah. we want to do stuff. And the practicality of Amanda Brown's course, so her company's called The Leading Ladies and the course is called Make Life oh, Happen. Oh, I've heard of that. You heard yeah. that? Yeah. Yeah, and I've been on that, this is my second year. And that's been fantastic as well. So in terms of support, those are the kind of things I'd recommend people look for. Fab. And any Facebook groups or anything like that that you found to be particularly useful? Pro Copywriters on Twitter is cool. I like that one. Um, Facebook groups. Oh, Manchester Startups. I'm always ah, in there. Okay. Yeah, that's been a useful one. On that, on that vein, uh, who would you suggest following on social media? So the hashtag Copywriters Unite opens up a wealth of copywriters mm. and I'd say that's a great starting point um, okay this is from a very much copywriting freelance perspective but um, Copywriters Unite has opened up just people in Manchester but also across the UK and beyond who are ex ex they, and they're very witty copywriters so that's been quite nice I find it <laughs> I think though that's even though it's copywriter specific I think those hashtags exist in every industry. I mean, I know from a PR point of view, if you type in hashtag journal requests, mm. I mean, yeah. you are fishing from a very large pool. Really true. But, you know, if you've got 
you know, 10 minutes to kill on the train or something like that, jump on it and see if there's anyone that you can try and sort of chew on some of your content into. <laughs> and actually, you know, that's worked for yeah. us. Yeah, and see what the kind of leading influencers, yeah. I'm air quoting, yeah. um, are, are doing. Well, yeah, <laughs> are doing what hashtags they're using, although... <laughs> we, we were working with them, Visit Manchester on the Workerbee weekend and we were kind of the press tent and they invited like 100 influencers from around the world that chose key tourism markets like Germany, America, parts of the Middle East and a lot of Europe and they also did some regional stuff. Influencers as a term I think is slowly becoming a bit overused and therefore perhaps a little bit redundant in certain spaces. So apparently it's now content creators is, is, is the appropriate term. For some people. I think influencers definitely still <laughs> But it's interesting that you can you feel these terms get overused, adopted in loads and loads of different spaces, and then actually wrongly used and then lost, don't they? So this is, they say this, I had this amazing quote, marketers break things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, we love break to do things. that. Really good at it. Content marketing, let's yeah. just hammer it, and then everyone will get sick of it, and now I have to change. So, <laughs> it's been around for a while <laughs> but I think the thing with influencing influence is really intangible and I think it's very subjective whereas content creation is an output and I think that's easier to measure and to yeah. understand so in terms True. of term it's potentially better I, I also think though simultaneously anyone can create content it's about how good your content is and the, the effect it has on other people. And the engagement. So, so actually, yes. is, is that, because is, technically every 12-year-old with Instagram is a content creator, but, but that doesn't mean that Coca-Cola's going to ring them yeah. up and ask them to do a post of them drinking Coke. Do you know what I mean? So I suppose it's the combination of the ability to create great content to, mm -hmm. that's perfect for your audience, and that's influence, yeah. isn't it, when you have that yeah. reputation and combining it with the idea of content creation. I, I have a little bugbear, personally, with... with from working in marketing for, for all my entire career, marketing loves reinventing terms every five years for the same stuff, and then selling it back to everyone, saying that they know this this brand new thing that we've invented. Stuff has changed, obviously things progress within these spaces, but but the fundamentals remain the same, and there often is these new terms coined as a way of kind of making you convincing clients you, <laughs> you know and, and, and we're all a little bit sort of guilty of it to a point but it is interesting particularly with the rate of modern comms mm. how how many of these terms become prolific really quickly you know I think there are a couple of things within that like why that's the, the cause behind that symptom because we, we do, mm. do do it absolutely I agree I think we have marketers have a reputation for being really, really fluffy mm -hmm. and that we have to prove our worth. Yeah. And the reinvention of these terms is refining a concept, refining a concept, perhaps moving to a point where, I mean, authenticity and honesty and, and very transparent practices has really come to the fore mm. over the last few years, not least because of GDPR. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. But I think there's something... Um, we need to do that because we're getting it better and better every time. I might be wrong with... Maybe people could disagree with that massively. Um, I think, I think that if what's really interesting, and this is one of the things of the question about social media, is for the first time ever, you are, as a brand, capable of interacting on the same level as an individual. You can talk to an individual. I can talk to Sainsbury's if I tweeted them right now. You've never really been able to do it in such a synchronised manner, I don't think. And I think that... Now, this whole storytelling, the rise of storytelling, has been because you can't just 
pretty brand and you can't just sort of have a certain sort of vibe to you. You've got to be a person. There has to be a person behind a brand that has thoughts and feelings and views and opinions because actually you're in the same digital digital sort of landscape as people and you're not a, a pretty graphic just won't cut it anymore you know yeah and people i think are getting wiser and wiser mm. to the ways in which people sell at them yeah. Yeah. Even, not even necessarily to them yeah. Yeah. and actually like you said the storytelling element is the much more humanised and relatable way of doing it. Yeah. Like, have you found, Helen, that more people have recognised the need for hiring copywriters as, as kind of, you know, in the last five, ten years? Mm, I, well, okay, so I've only been going since 2013. So I'm not sure before then. Yeah. I would say, I, don't, I also don't know if I'm just accessing a different type of client now to when I started. So, but I'm very particular now that we will go for people who have bought into the idea of copywriting. Yeah. If you value it, you really get it. If you don't, then you're not willing to pay for it. And that's when you go to Fiverr and you go to the content mills and you get a very different output. And that is those people who haven't understood the power shift you just spoke about. The power has shifted to the consumer. We know we're very, we know what we're in control. We choose whether we want you or not. Brilliant. Um, if you don't get that as a as a brand, you go for the cheaper type of copywriting. If you get it, you get the power of storytelling. You get the yeah. human element you just mentioned, and that means yeah, you're willing to invest. And do you think do you think from from a marketing point of view, because because the world is getting noisier and noisier and noisier, do you think that sort of innate, an ancient sort of human want yeah. to relate to stuff is the thing that will cut you above? Because you can see, Christ, if you want a blog now. Mm-hmm. As you said, you can just get you can get one for a fiver, and it'll be rubbish, but you, you get can it. get it. <laughs> yeah. you know? And it's interesting. You see a lot actually in it, these big industries. The mass is it's polarizing. So you get mm-hmm. this big chunk at the bottom that's getting cheaper and cheaper and cheaper and cheaper and cheaper and cheaper and cheaper. And then there's the other end of the market which is getting more refined, but mm-hmm. the middle doesn't seem to exist as much as it once did. Yeah, potentially we are becoming more polarized. That's a really interesting thought. I think. Yeah, storytelling will out. Yeah. I really do believe that. because and, and everything we're saying, there are all these trends in authenticity, there are trends in transparency. Um, I think having... I mean, marketing's always been human, hasn't it, really? Yeah. It's just we forgot about it a bit. <laughs> That's <laughs> a good way of putting it. <laughs> and we've sort of mentioned technology and, mm. and you know social media and things like that. And obviously it can be, technology can be a blessing and a curse, it can kind of remove you from the yeah. kind of human side of it, but it can also really help yes. business. So are there any kind of tools or anything that you like to use? I know, Helen, you're a massive fan of the Pomodoro technique. Oh, yes, love the Pomodoro. <laughs> yeah. But in terms of kind of tools yeah. and apps or anything, what do you like as a freelancer? There, are, there is an app I'm going to mention in a moment, but I just want to pick up on that piece you said about tech and it being a blessing and a curse and content, because I'm not sure what you were just saying. Um, when we've got SEO pulling us from a technical point of view and wanting to people, clients wanting to be high in search engine rankings, that creates a certain type of content. But increasingly, we're seeing people wanting to be really human and then we're getting to be creative and having fun. So there's an interesting shift in balance there. Um, but in terms of, of tech that I use personally, I'm obsessed with Asana. I absolutely love it, which is a, a task management tool. Okay. It's very similar to Trello. Oh, yeah. I, I'm, a, I'm a big Trello fan. I do. Yeah, I really like Asana. I have tried to use it on my team, with my team, on my team. <laughs> Sorry, guys. <laughs> <laughs> it does feel like I'm imposing on them. Um, but Asana's been great for me because I can, I have all my tasks. It's very powerful and I don't use it to its full 
potential, which could be, you know, scheduling, managing projects to the full. I just use it to know what the hell I'm doing every day. Cause it's <laughs> but yeah, Asana's brilliant. I love it. Amazing. I'm still on lists. Maybe I should change. I, I, I'm still on list for the day, list for the week, list for the month. And does it work, myself. though? Yeah. Yeah, yeah it does. Yeah. 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 I, 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 but I do think sometimes, like, like I make notes for myself. I'm one of these people that, that I think the inside of my mind is covered in post-its. <laughs> um, and, and every now and again, there will be things I miss, and mm. it really annoys me that I've missed them. And I don't know if there's a list for that. <laughs> but but you, I just rhythmically... You should read Getting Things Done by David Allen. Yeah, I'd like, if you I've haven't already. I've heard of that. <laughs> also try Essentialism. That's been a really good book I've read this year. Uh, but you know what that is? I don't think that's a list. I think that's a habit. And I have the same problem. So there will be stuff. I'll be having a chat. And I'm like, oh yeah, I need to do that. And I don't put it on my list. The satisfaction with Asana is when you tick things off, something flies across your screen. And it, I know it's really gamification. And it's, but it's brilliant. So I get... I take a list of something off my list and a unicorn flies across. Or, oh, I know, right? Or a sloth or a porpoise, like something goes across the screen and it's brilliant. It's so satisfying, right? Sure. I want that reward. Sure. <laughs> but then there are times when I'm having a chat, it's like, oh yeah, I need to amend that invoice or whatever it is. I don't put it on my list, I do it, I have no reward. You know, yeah, so it's the sure. habit yeah. of capturing sure. the stuff and get it on the list. And there is that thing sometimes where you sneak something onto your list that you've already oh, done. Oh, I love doing so that. <laughs> I do that. <laughs> just so you get the, the poor voice. There's definitely some weird, like, sort of like puzzle wanting neuroticism in there somewhere, isn't it? Um, what's Pomodoro? Oh, Hello, Pomodoro. Like you. So, you know those big. Tomatoes. I was about to say, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pomodoro. So, and there's a kitsch, really kitsch, 1960s um, kitchen timer. Yeah. Which is shaped like a pomodoro. Yeah, yeah, You've yeah, seen yeah, it. I've seen them. Yeah, yeah. 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 Okay. So it's kind of. I think the inspiration came when somebody. Correct me if I'm wrong. Somebody was using this, this kitchen, kitchen timer. timer. Yeah. And the idea is that um, it's based on sort of 25 minutes and a five minute break. So you work for 25 minutes and you have a five minute break. And you can scale that up. You can work for 15 minutes and have a 10 minute break. It works on a couple of levels. You're just working for 25 minutes. So that is a great way of going, it's just 25 minutes. It's like, I'll just do this before the bus comes. You know, yeah, you just yeah, get it done. Yeah. And it's this idea of just starting something, not having to finish it, which is when you've got a thousand words ahead of you mm. and you don't know where to start, mm. you know, 25 minutes, I'll just outline it. And then you find you've got that done in 10 minutes. So you've got another 15 minutes. I'll just fill in a bit. Before you know it, you've got the task done. Then you have a five minute break um, and go in and I click a thing on Asana and get a flying unicorn across the screen or whatever, whatever your reward is, make a cup of tea. Sure. Um, and then you're done. And it's just a really nice task management technique that um, can break things down. And I think one of the key parts of it as well is when you're doing that 25 minutes, you are entirely focused on it. That's one yeah. of the other key kind of principles of it is that you're in that time, you're not being distracted by anything else. You turn off your notifications. If you're tempted to look at Facebook or to, to respond to an education, you just make a little note of it and then you go back to it on your break. Yeah. So it's very so, so it's it teaches mm. you to be a bit more disciplined. And I think it's really hard when you first start. The first few times you do it, you will get distracted and wander off and end up not doing a full twenty five. But it's a way of getting you into good habits of focusing for short bursts of time. Yeah, sure. And and actually if you're I think there's something about being really easy with yourself, so or kind to yourself. So if you if it's not twenty five minutes, my Pomodoro is sometimes a ten minutes, you know, and then it's yeah. a two minute break and then ten minutes, two minute break. So um, making it work. It's an adaptable yeah. framework. I think that's what's so cool about it. I used to use an app that did not allow you to log on to certain websites. Oh, I've heard of that. Worked wonders. Really? Then I started working in social media. So <laughs> not allowing me on Facebook would have been really counterproductive. <laughs> but simultaneously, it is interesting that that's what I used to do when you had to write something, yeah. for example. 
block out some time and just go, right, yes. screw everything up. Because actually, you can be a busy fool. You see mm -hmm. a lot of those people nowadays where, where you're there like, you, you've not done really anything today. You've kind of coasted through your day mm -hmm. and nothing's actually got finished. One of the things that we actually, we actually had someone else who works in, in some sort of copywriting and stuff like that. When you have, or do you have, sometimes writer's block and like how do you manage that within your own schedule yeah it's something that um i think every writer gets for all sorts of reasons and i think understanding the reasons sometimes can help you break through it so that's why i mentioned that i think sometimes it can be don't really like this client or <laughs> don't really like this subject it feels like a mountain it feels like yeah. you have to hike that mountain um, it could also be a little bit of fear. Sometimes I've had a voice in my head going, you're really shit at this, you don't really know what you're talking about, do you, as you're typing. Mm. I'm air typing, by the way. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, there's all sorts of things that can cause that block. One of the, so I recommend a process of um, outlining, so breaking it down. Mm. So you don't have to finish the article today, you outline the article, so this is what I get my team and anybody junior I'm working with um, to go, right, outline it, so what's the, you get a really clear sense of that story, you know what the title is, you know the benefit you're delivering in the article, you have that framework, and that's where you start. And then you do a messy draft, and no one sees your messy draft, no one sees it, you can put as much rubbish in there as you want, I nearly swore. Um, you are allowed to see it. Am I yeah, 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 yeah. There's yeah. much shit in there as you want, no one's gonna see it, you can mess up with your typos, it doesn't matter, it's your messy draft. Because sometimes the idea of perfection can stop you from writing. You mm. think it has to be perfect first time. And that's when you get, you just write a, a paragraph. If you experience this, you, you get stuck. Um, yeah, I'll so, do that thing where I'll say, oh, well, I need to find another word for that because I've just repeated that word. And so yeah. then I need to make sure that, that I'm using a different word there. Oh, but I've used that word there. And here, with me, it's, I talk about freelancing a lot. So I'm like, oh, okay, so freelancer, I need to say mm. self-employment there. Mm. I need to say entrepreneur next. Mm. And, and I'm so focused on the real detail that I'm not just, yeah, focusing on actually getting the, the broad content Absolutely, there. because no one else is gonna know that you've used freelance twice in your first draft. Yeah. That's just, that's for your eyes only. And it's a great way of just dumping ideas down. And there's, um, my more senior copywriters will talk about, I've just brain dumped a whole load of crap. Okay, you can read it if you want, but this is where I'm up to type thing. And that's the process they go through, and then you refine. There is a really good book by someone called Anne Handley, and I mention this in so many of my trainings and my Facebook Live videos. Uh, it's called Everybody Writes, and it's got some fantastic tips for just that messy draft where you just get it down. Um, I talk about it in my training as well, so yeah, that's how What's I. Anne? Anne Handley. I might look at that because when you're writing press releases and stuff, sometimes you're there like, how to make a page out of this? <laughs> it's quite <laughs> difficult because. Especially if you're trying to go for a really niche points. Particularly point. if you're trying to go for niche points, and it, it can be really. I find that I have good days and bad days, yeah. and when I have a good day, get it down. And if yeah. you have a bad day, I'm there like, right, okay, I'm going to finish this till the end of the week. Mm -hmm. Do the bits that do not require that extra creative element, let's say, in your mm -hmm. head, because actually, you ain't, you aren't going to be your best. Mm -hmm. And sometimes, I, th I think as well, I think it's slightly different sometimes with PR because you're trying to, it, it's it's more hooks based, so you're trying to think of like weird ways to describe things that haven't been coined before a little bit sometimes or so you're thinking about it anyway in the day mm -hmm. but i am a avid redrafter where it can, mm -hmm. i'll write something hate it yeah and change it like mm -hmm. 10 times mm -hmm. before i actually put it out which isn't which isn't always the most productive thing in the world but it's not bad either but i don't 
but you also you ha you you're either one of these people who will and stick it out or one of these people that hates putting something out that you're not happy with. That's so true. Oh my god, there's so many things. I've got three mm. things I want to pick up on mm. there. So, firstly, I think you're right. You need to find the time when you write best. Mm. So I write really well, really early in the morning, and between about four and eight at night. And I like to finish at six, so that's interesting. But, um, <laughs> figure out when you write best. Mm. Um, I think the other thing is there is a writing muscle. So the more you write, the more you write. Mm. <laughs> um, so uh, ex-journalists, ex-PR people are used to time-pressured environments and they can knock this stuff out like yeah. nothing else. I'm not from that kind of background. That's not how I write. But it is phenomenal. You just see them, they can sit down, they can focus, and they can deliver. Mm. And that's because of practice and practice and practice. So there is something about the more you write, the better you get at it. Um, and there was a final thing. Damn it, I've forgotten. <laughs> well, I just thought that what you were saying before was really kind of universal to freelancers as well, not just writers or mm. copywriters. Because I, I have the same, you know, if I'm doing a website, mm -hmm. there'll be times where I feel really creative and really kind of, yeah, this is great. And I'm really kind of confident my client will love this. And there'll be other times where I'll just feel a bit stuck. And, okay, yeah. you know, I'll stare at the screen for a while going, it's not quite right, but what isn't right about it? And actually that thing about knowing when you work best mm. and trying to capitalise on those times when you are creative and I think leaving enough time in your schedule to allow for the fact yes. that you're not going to be on it 100% yeah. from say 9 to 5 even though that's not realistic. Absolutely vital and that actually is a really nice segue into something else that I think is important to talk about. Um, and that's mistakes, as I know you mentioned. Talking yeah, about well, yeah, we were going to ask you if, you if you'd had any freelance fails at something we ask all our guests. Not taking into <laughs> account the fact that you need time to mess up, get it right. You need perspective on something. And I've not factored that into delivery on so many occasions and it really, really annoys me because you end up working more than you're charging for, not the fees necessarily tied to time, but also you put yourself under a shitload of pressure and it's just not, just doesn't really work. Does that make sense? Yeah. It's really important what you just said. Mm. Yeah. Um. So, so have, 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 you, have you got a freelance fail, your favourite freelance fail? favourite one, there are many, yeah, daily. Sure, sure. Um, I think, um, okay, it's quite generic, okay. but I would say that um, I was really, really generalist. I wasn't clear about what I wanted to do. I was so caught up in the passion of being a freelance and wanted to work for myself and finding what I love to do. Mm. I was doing everything. And I went through this exercise in one of the coaching programs that was on where you asked feedback and some of the feedback I got was, if you could just focus on one thing <laughs> and do it, you would just, you'd go somewhere but you're scattergun all over the place. And so my failure for probably the first three years was being really, really scattered mm. and not being... So I said that I was a writer and a marketer because I come from a marketing background. Oh, you do SEO? Okay. Mm. Don't really do SEO. Um, I don't really... I've done quite a lot of marketing consultancy and it's not a place I enjoy being or doing. Mm. I love the training, I love the writing, and the minute I was able to go, right, I do content, that's what we do. Then it came together, so I think that was my biggest one of them, if that makes sense. Yeah, yes. sure. I, I, interesting that point you made. I, marketing. I don't know why we still consider that one term. Right, I know! <laughs> I don't know why, because I, do mar I do marketing, but actually, yeah. I don't know how SEO works. Right. I'm not a web like, designer. No. I, and I think I think it's really interesting seeing how that's going to progress. Yeah. Because things like GDPR, you know, gone. Bloody GDPR <laughs> is, is, is on everyone's lips, everyone's favourite acronym. Um, and on the 25th of May, 
you know, if I'm honest, is going to make email marketing probably redundant or the closest thing that it's been to. It's probably the biggest dent that email marketing will ever have on itself. And actually you see that it's now moving towards social and search and more content. So actually loads of people are not calling themselves marketing people anymore. They're calling themselves, as you say, content creators or social media people or da 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 da, -da. And there's either, there's still a lot of people who do generalist stuff. Mm -hmm. There's no room for journalists anymore. Uh, and I, I think, think even within I the traditional I don't necessarily term, agree with you. I, I think, I, I think from, from a strategic point of view, yeah, you can be a marketing journalist. But it's like saying I work in IT. I work in marketing, I work in IT. IT mm. is so broad. Tech, tech is emerging at a rate of knots and you can't keep, there's so mm. many different little nuances to it. And I think you're right, marketing is really, really multifaceted. Mm. Um, I think GDPR will be the best thing for email marketing. I, I think it will reset the balance so that the people who are doing the good stuff will cut through. Yeah. But I, yeah, it might be a good thing. I don't know though, because I think you look at, I'm, I'm, I'm talking about short term, long term, you're probably mm. right. But short term, there are some people who, a lot of their, you know, I know multiple venues, for example, who drive most of their sales through email marketing. Mm -hmm. They don't know where they got that giant mailing list from. Arguably, they should have been a little bit more careful, but simultaneously, we've been in the data wild west for quite some time now, and now we're seeing a shift towards people worrying more about privacy, quite rightly. But I, I, I think that I think it's slightly overkill in terms of how far the legislation's gone for what they're trying to achieve. So two things. I think um, we've had two years. If your business is dependent on email marketing and you it, and it's a big business, you know, these brands, mm, and these mm, events, mm. you've had two years to sort that out. Yeah, sure. And I think secondly, hang on, let's see if I'm going to remember this point. Ah, they're scaremongering. They cannot police this. The GDPR cannot be policed yeah. to the nth degree. So they're scaremongering, which is what they did with IR35 mm. and what they did with auto-enrolment, probably more rightly with auto-enrolment, <laughs> but um, IR35 and GDPR, they're scaremongering because they need us to self-police. And I... Mm. I kind of, that's the only way they're going to be able to do it. But also, it is about good intentions. So everything I've learned about GDPR has been, if you get it wrong the 25th of May, you're not going to be fined, you're not going to prison, mm -hmm. nothing bad's going to happen. They want to see the good intent behind what you're doing. So I think people will be given an opportunity to catch up, to show that they're making progress, and there's going to be some slap wrists on a bit on, at the big brand level, I'm sure. But I really do believe this is going to be fantastic. You'll get rid of all that white noise. Your yeah. people will be forced to be so goddamn specific. Yeah. Short term, we're going to see a few bumps. Yeah. Long term, I think it's going to be amazing. Yeah, I, th I think. I think. To be honest, I personally, personally, I'm really excited. I don't want a hundred and one group on emails every day. I just don't. <laughs> I just don't. Mm. And, and I understand. I, I, I do agree with you that long term, it probably will be better because we are moving to more curated information mm. in all aspects of our lives. I think I've just got a bit of GDPR fatigue. And I'm just sick of it now. And, and yeah. you know, they're like, I feel like the kid in class who's been doing it all right, doing, doing, like keeping your head down and working, and someone's pissed the teacher off. And actually, it's, <laughs> yeah. you know I mean? and actually, 
Oh, it's so not good. our yeah. fault. Yeah. It's not our fault. They're ruining it for everybody it's, else. It's, yeah. so they've unsubscribed. <laughs> they've not unsubscribed from that specific product and that specific location, but you're still on the list. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And it's the people who've been doing the naughty stuff that's yeah. ruined it for the rest of us. Oh, completely. You know, we've got... Mark, must bring things. We've got... Yeah. Well, quiet. Um, so, our next question is... Uh, who are your favourite uh, freelance folks? So this is your opportunity to be able to oh, recommend people. Big up some people. Anyone that you particularly like. Okay, first of all, my team. I love my team. So my team is freelance. I don't employ anyone. My team are, fr are pure freelancers and they are amazing. Um, so just to call out a few of them, uh, the people who've been with me the longest would be Becky Hewson, Lucy Van Biljean and Georgina Walls. They have been there from... So this iteration of Incredible probably started in 2016 and they've... I don't know if you guys have experienced this as well, when you're sort of not quite sure how this is going to work, but we're going to do it. <laughs> and they've been with me the whole Every way, and it's been, it's been amazing. <laughs> so big love to those guys. Um, people further afield who I'd like to shout out. There's a guy in Dublin who is the most amazing filmmaker ever. I've had the privilege to work with him on many occasions. He's called Darren Murphy, and he is top-notch. He's amazing. Heaven to work with. Very, very cheered out and relaxed. And I think in terms of... Um, value versus uh, affordability and what he delivers it's very very affordable it's really good um manchester mike pie mm. nicest man in marketing mm. legend also Legends. a guest on this oh podcast. yeah he is. he's <laughs> awesome just the way he uh he's very gracious with people he's very um he's, he knows what he's doing mm. <laughs> he's brilliant we deliver at business growth up together so being alongside mike when you're delivering training is very reassuring he knows the stuff and he's just the best person at connecting people so big up to him um, and somebody else in Devon, uh, somebody called Bryony Baxter, she is a social media manager. She came through something called the Digital Mums Programme, which I think deserves massive kudos. She's one of the first social media people I met who was strategic and wasn't just, I'll just do this on Twitter for you. It was, well, what's your whole game plan? What are you doing? And it was, it was brilliant. She gave me some really, really smart advice. She's still working with me now. Um, so... Bryony Baxter, but also Digital Mums. Yeah, I've heard, I've, had a few, yeah, I've had a few clients who have wanted to learn, to develop their website skills, yeah. having gone through the programme. Oh, really? Or just to make, at least to make, so my most recent workshop course, I had somebody on it who wanted to make her own site for a social media service she was offering, and that was really noticeable, that she was talking about the strategy, and yeah. Yeah, not just the kind of, let's do five tweets no, no matter what they're about. Right, let's yeah. have to think it about was, the purpose of it, mm. which it is so refreshing. My, it was one, sorry to about, it was one of my biggest bugbears when I used to freelance, because I used to do sort of generally PR, social, marketing-esque stuff anyway, but not generalist. Um, uh, <laughs> but I, I remember you'd come to clients and they'd be like, we need to be on Snapchat. And I'd be like, what the bloody hell for? <laughs> because, <Yeah. laughs> because no one you know is on Snapchat, so you will be doing it to all of your clients, probably kids. And, and it, 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 there was no point. So if you're going to do it, do few well. Yes. Do not do... You don't need to be on Pinterest as an accountancy firm. You just don't. <laughs> so that, and that, it's all at Snapchat. Snapchat, this is mm. the thing. Accountancy for Snapchat. Why? Why? You don't... You, it's, it's not really... Even if you've got really good content, even if you've really gone for it and created something really interesting, mm. it's probably a better vehicle for it, or probably a better use of your time and money. Do you know what I mean? And actually, that, that's one of the things that's interesting about you seeing now within social specifically, where's our return on investment? Now, I, I, I believe you can create, you can show return on investment with social, but it can be quite difficult to do sometimes. 
not always, it depends on the business. Yeah. Um, but that's something that I think is definitely coming to a head mm. recently, particularly within social media. I'm finding increasingly people are understanding that social media takes time, that it's not a thing you can get. You can delegate to the most junior people person in the office that actually it needs some, some thought behind mm. it. And it's been given a little bit like writing. It's been given, you know, some kudos and, you know, yeah, we, know, we need to stop and think about this and do it properly. Mm. I think it can drive an ROI, but I think you have to be very clear on what your KPIs are in, yeah. in relation to it. And it's not a fix-all, and it certainly shouldn't be done just, like you say, you shouldn't be on it just because everyone else is on it. No. You need to have a reason. Um, and, and be able to have that consistency as well. Just say that, yes, <laughs> consistency is vital. Yeah. One of the things I was going to ask you if you'd seen actually, have you seen the, um, do you know Monzo, so the kind of a new yeah. banking app, have you seen their tone of voice documents? Oh, I bet it's amazing. It's beautiful. Really? So Monzo, for those of you who aren't aware, they're a kind of innovator around banking, so it's a mobile phone based banking app. And they're, they're really great at kind of engaging the community and transparency and stuff, and they've just done, in the last month or so, um, they've just published their tone of voice document. So there's this guidance for all the staff on how to communicate in the Monzo way. But it's written in really clear, plain English. Mm. And it's it's a delight. If you are mm. interested in words or copy or anything, it's just amazing. Go and look, look it up. It's brilliant. Yeah, I'm going to look that up. Yeah. It's really tone good. is becoming... Tone is the thing now, isn't it? It, it is... It's, it's, you can... You, you don't do Twitter. <laughs> you, 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 people are good and bad at the way that they handle people on social media, aren't they? Do you know what I mean? Like you definitely see people and you're there like, it's almost like, it's almost like you look, it's like looking at a painting sometimes, or at least for someone who works on social media, when you're there like, you've nailed that. <laughs> and then some people it's quite lumpy and a bit sort of half-baked and you're like, that's not, that, yeah. that you've not both done Twitter, you've engaged people and you've mm. interested people and you, you have come out with with that yeah. <laughs> and it's interesting seeing just knowing it. what angle to take as well because yeah, yeah. I was at an event last week it was a policy conference which was actually much more interesting than it sounded it was a policy conference about freelancing um, and I was tweeting from a couple of different accounts I tweeted from my own business account but also from the freelance folk account mm. so the freelance folk was quite kind of still friendly and, and engaging and stuff but factual and then from my account I was able to just be like these politicians are really quite boring aren't they <laughs> <laughs> and actually it was, it was about what what I'm kind of setting myself out as and what, you know, how I'm putting myself out there. Yeah. So, that, you know, that, that kind of, like, actually, you know, politically, I probably can't be as critical as freelance folk as I can as myself. Mm. And, and, you know, I, I'm very much somebody that embraces swearing on my own mm -hmm. Twitter and stuff because um, that's who I am in real yeah. life. And I think that's another thing that's quite interesting is that, like I said, we talk consistency, consistency, consistency online, mm -hmm. but also online versus the face-to-face -face experience. So, like, Ben, yeah. for example, you know, if someone comes into Zifflat, if you if they've seen your social media, then it feels in keeping with when they yeah. come into a branch. And that's true of your website too. Yeah. I think when, when you meet somebody, I was talking to, I've been interviewing a sales team all week, asking the same questions as the sales team, and um, we we stumbled across this this guy who said the image, the impression they get of me as a salesperson is not the impression they get when they visit the website. And it's like, well, that's what we're here to fix. Yeah. That's what we need to do. Your website needs to be, you need to have consistent personality. And hats off to Monzo, that sounds phenomenal. They clearly are a business that knows itself really, really well. And for a company that is relatively young, I think that's very hard to do. Mm -hmm. I've worked with quite a few fintech startups and it's so hard to grasp their personality um, because they are changing and evolving so quickly. 
And what you said about the tone of voice document, MailChimp have really, have you seen MailChimp? Yes. Oh, it's amazing. Because they've got, they, they put it as, uh, we are this, we are not this yeah. as well, don't they? Oh, and I love it. Yeah, Absolutely. it's really good. And that's available on GitHub as a template, so you can pick it up and yeah, use it. Yeah, yeah. For real. So yeah. important. It's fab. We've got loads of tips and insights and everything all around freelancing, and now we're going to come to the most important question, which is all around food. So yes. where in the north and around Manchester have you found some good places to eat? Okay, so I just discovered Bundabust. I know I'm so <gasps> late to the party. Yeah. Oh my god, it's amazing. That's in Manchester and Leeds, Bundabust. Yeah. Yeah. Bundabust, amazing. Indian street food, beautiful. Loads of vegan options, vegetarian options. Yum, yum, yum. Um, Maki Maya, but that's been mentioned. I don't know I if it has actually. Know. Really? No, I don't Even know. though, yeah, we are massive fans of it. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. I do love Maki Maya. Um, there's a nice little coffee shop on the corner we can work, really like that. But the food is just, it's, I think it's quite pricey, but yeah. it's good, you know, it and I love it. It's beautiful. But it kind of feels a bit yeah. like being on holiday almost, I think. Somehow, do you think? Yeah, yeah, it feels like someone that you stumble across while you're, you know, out somewhere, mm. either either elsewhere or, you know, I don't know. I think especially when it opened the Altrincham Market, kind of, yeah. when that opened, I I grew up in Altrincham, mm. and when when that opened, I was like, well, this is very different and new. <laughs> <laughs> this feels like it should be in kind of Shoreditch or something. Never mind suburban Cheshire. Mm. But in all fairness, that market has basically saved all Yeah, absolutely. You had Trafford Centre, <laughs> you had the recession, and I, I used to work in bar fit outs, and my God, Altrium was like, <laughs> was like the twilight zone. Yeah. No one went there. <laughs> but that market opened, you got a few good restaurants and Indies open, and now, and now it's really it's fruity. like a fruity summer. Yeah, it's fruity. yeah. yeah. It's yeah. really good. What were the other places you were uh, So just because it's just lovely and awesome and antipodean, I really like it. Um, <laughs> and then I'm really enjoying Refuge. I haven't eaten Refuge, but I love drinking the Orangery Conservatory bit. Oh, it's really chill. Is that the Palace? Uh, it's it, by much It's the base of Palace, yeah. yeah. The guy who owns, Luke, who owns Electric and Volta in, in Chalkman and Didsbury, um, operates that for, or owns, operates, I'm not sure, owned for the Palace Theatre. They've done a cracking it's job amazing. on that. I was there actually last night and we went for a roast. A couple of Sundays ago, it was brilliant. It was good. It was really good, really good. Have you tried, um, either of you, tried graphene? No. no. Me neither. It I'm getting, they're good on Twitter. <laughs> it had a bumpy start. Did it? Yeah. Um, a friend of mine um, DJed in there a few times and it was not very busy. Mm. But I think it's, I think they've turned it around a little bit now and they've made a few changes and I've heard relatively good things. But mm. I think it good was. Good name. Yeah. 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 I like that. Good magic. I think name. they're actually getting some graphene for the <gasps> restaurant as well. Because <laughs> really? a friend of mine works at the graphene centre in uni and he was there like, so this restaurant's called itself graphene and they want they want some graphene offers. He's got the best job in the world. He basically gets to play with graphene. I play football with him on Tuesdays. He gets to play with graphene to try and figure out what we can do with it. So I was, See, this, that's brilliant. I, I played, with, played football with him the other day, and I went, oh, what have you been up to today, kid? And he went, oh, well, today I've been looking at if we can make condoms out of graphene. And I was like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> like, what, uh, what a 
<laughs> and then, like he's thinking about like next day it's there like oh he's made a canoe or something like that. Wow, it's, so yeah, cool. what a great job. It Proper. is exciting what's coming out of Manchester yeah, and that, yeah. that we've still got that kind of heritage almost yeah. of oh, that kind it. of first yeah. from Manchester, very proud yeah, of us. Cool. It's a really cool place <laughs> to do business. Thanks. Well, thank you very much. Um, thank you for this your has time. been brilliant. Um, uh, so if you want to check out Helen, what, what's your Twitter account, Twitter uh, handle? Dibble Dabbles is my Twitter. Also um, an amazing Twitter handle. <laughs> uh, Dibble Dabbles. And then um, on Facebook, there's the Incredible Marketing page where you can, I do a Facebook Live every Friday. So nice way of getting a bit of freelance support if you're interested in that. So yeah, thank you. Cool. And you can find us at Zipperblatt Edge ST uh, on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. And I'm at The Wheel Exists or at Freelance Folk on the socials. And if you want to follow the progress of the podcast, it's hashtag Freelance Up North. Cool. We'll see you soon. Thanks. <laughs>